All right. Thank you very much, Dave and Carolyn. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 15. We're going to go back and look at that passage of Scripture in just a few minutes. Have you ever been to a birthday party, maybe to a baby shower or a wedding, and you, you see everybody, they get out of their cars and they got a gift bag in their hand or they got a little card in their hand or a big present in their hand, and you realize you didn't bring one. I've kind of been there, and you, you kind of thought maybe uh, the invitation said the only gift we ask is that of your presence. And so look at your wife or you look at your husband or, uh, and you just go, oh, me. And you don't really, and, you, and, and what happens is you can't decide whether you should just crawl under the table, get back in the car, or blame it on your spouse and say, well, you know, they forgot or, or whatever the case may be. But regardless, the bottom line is when you go to a celebration uh, and gifts are expected, it's nice to have something in your hand. And when you go to a celebration uh, and you don't, there's an awkwardness uh, about it. And so, um, I mean, it's just odd. When you're the only one in the crowd that didn't bring a gift, you just, you feel it. You know, I, I've kind of been there and, and, and done that. And uh, it kind of makes me want to get a $20 Target card and just put it in my wallet. And then I'm always, you know, guys, that's probably a good idea, fellas. If we just if we just do that, then we're, we're covered if we went ahead and did that. But... Uh, but imagine what it would be like to, to one day stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus at maybe the wedding supper of the Lamb or at that celebration where we're going to stand before the King. Imagine what it would be like if we were empty-handed. If you were with us last Sunday, we talked about uh, discipling and how God has called you and me to make disciples and how God's called us to bear fruit. And we kind of ended with the idea that, man... What a tragic day it would be uh, to stand in the presence empty-handed. And that kind of begs this question I've kind of thought about is that does the, does the Bible teach or, or is it possible to be saved and to go to heaven and yet still miss out on some of what or maybe even most of what God has planned for you? I mean, does, does God's word teach that all we need is just to believe in Jesus and go to heaven? Because I, I had a preacher friend one time, or I knew of a preacher. We, I, we, I guess you'd call us friends. He, he, found up, he wound up moving away. Um, but he had a business card, and, and kind of the card, it was kind of quaint. It said, Jesus Christ, the, the greatest fire insurance policy known to man. Now, that's true. That is true. But Jesus didn't die just to give us fire insurance. Jesus died to change our life. And it's more, and so, so it's more that it's expected that, that we allow God to do something in us and through us. But the sad thing is that it's possible, it's possible to live our whole life to stand in the presence of God and everything that we do for Him or that we think we're doing for Him would actually burn up. Listen to 1 Corinthians. And let me just read this quick. It says, For no one, verse, chapter 3, verse 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. 
It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And so it's possible for us to live our whole life to know Jesus and yet not accomplish with our life the things that are going to last forever. And so this morning, just for a few more minutes, I want us to look into this this concept of, of, of being fruitful in your life. Because I, I've got this burden, church, for you and for me. That we not stand in the presence empty-handed. I know what it's like. Some of you know what it's like to go to the party. And you it's odd when you're the guy that doesn't have the gift. You're the guy that doesn't have anything to bring to the celebration. So just imagine what it would be like to stand in the presence of the one who died. Without anything to show but ashes for stuff that just didn't last. And so for just a few minutes this morning, I want us to, to consider that subject. We're going to pick up in John 15. We're going to go back to verse 1. And uh, hopefully I can get this picture clearly uh, this morning. If not, we'll just come back to it. But beginning in verse 1, John 15, I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so... God's serious about fruit. He's serious about fruit in your life. And he's serious about fruit in my life. And God doesn't want us to live our life in a way that it will be uh, just a pile of ashes. And so let's, I want us to, to, to capture this idea um, this morning, if we can, about this subject of fruitfulness. Because, uh, by the way, uh, there's a verse, and you don't need to turn there, but I, I would make this note in your margin if you have a pencil. First John 2.28 says this. It says, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Just really quickly understand this. One day Jesus is going to come again, right? You're with me on that, right? Everybody, we know that. Jesus is going to come again. And don't you want to be confident? Don't you want to be confident in his appearing? Don't, choir, don't you want to be in the point in your life where you can say, I'm going to be unashamed when he comes. I'm excited that he's coming. I'm ready for him to come. Well, what is it that we need to do? What is it that needs to happen in order for us to be ready for that moment and to be ready for that time when it comes? By the way, that word in, in 1 John 2, 28, continue in him, same word in the original as we're reading over here in John 15, remaining in him. And so, so here's the thing. 
If you want to be confident in his coming, you got to continue in him. If we want to be fruitful in life, we got to remain in him. Now, now listen carefully, because sitting in the auditorium this morning, many of us are believers. Many of us are. But some of you may not yet be a believer. And so here's the thing. If, if we're going to be confident, if we're going to remain in him, if we're going to continue in him, we have to start in him. You have to start. Jesus said, unless a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And so if, if you've never given your life to Christ, then if you're going to be fruitful and confident and unashamed at his coming, then you, you've got to give your life to Jesus Christ. Because unless a man's born again. Listen, y'all, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's just not. There is not another name. There is not another way. And the thing, one of the things I appreciate so much about Kyle, he's got a passion to see our students know Jesus, not, not know the church stuff, but to know him as Lord and Savior. And my heart is that you and I would know Jesus as our Lord. And as our Savior. And so if you're going to continue in Him, if we're going to remain in Him, then, it, then we have to begin in Him. And there's only one place to start. You've got to be born again. And the way you're born again is you've got to surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says, I think it's in Acts uh, 20, 21, it says, Paul said, I went from, to the Jews and the Greeks, I went from house to house preaching repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're going to be, be born again, you've got to turn away from your sin. You've got to place your faith. In Jesus Christ. And so kind of the first question this morning, have you done that? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Because if you have, then, then Jesus wants you to continue in him. He wants you to remain in him. And so let's look at that. Let's kind of take this passage apart. And, and obviously we are not going to get uh, everything we want to cover this morning. But let me just look at verse 2. Let me just make a couple of thoughts. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches of men remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so Jesus, in this little analogy, here's what he's saying to the disciples. And I'm convinced he was talking not just to the 11. He was talking to you and me and everyone who'd come to know uh, uh, Christ after that. There's kind of four levels of fruitfulness. He says, there's no fruit. Some people have no fruit. Secondly, he, he says the ones that bear fruit, so we could call that some fruit. And then third, he says there's the ones that have more fruit. And then he says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you can bear much fruit. And so when we think about that and when we evaluate that and when we look at that, here's the thing. In every one of our life, there, in every one of our lives, there's either no spiritual fruit, there's either some spiritual fruit, or there's maybe even more spiritual fruit. And it's possible that you and I could have much spiritual fruit. Now, as I evaluate my life, I think there's some fruit. I'm not convinced there's more fruit. 
But I'm absolutely certain that my life right now is not yet producing much fruit. And before I die, I want to move up the chain, right? I mean, how about you? I mean, don't, I mean, don't you, hey, if we're going to stay, listen, if I'm going to stand in the presence of majesty one day, I'd kind of like to have both hands full. And I believe you would like to have both hands full. And what I would love to see happen in your life and what I'd love to see happen in my life and what I'd love to see happen in our church is that we begin to bear spiritual fruit. Because if you were to, if you were to take a, a few moments and just get really quiet and get really alone and evaluate your life, here's what I, here's what I wonder, what would you find? When you looked at your heart and you did some reflection, what would you find? Is, is there, is there no fruit? Is there some fruit? Is there more fruit? Or is there much fruit? We, that's probably an evaluation that we are to make in our life. Because, listen, y'all, t- t- this is a good time for course correction while we still got time. We don't know how much time we have, but we, we do know that we all have a date with destiny, right? We do know that Jesus is going to come again, right? We do know that one day we're going to stand in his presence and, and they're going to, God's going to test our work. Man, it's going to go through fire. You know, Jesus is the foundation. Whatever we build on that foundation, whether it's wood, whether it's stubble, whether it's, whether it's gold or silver or stone, whatever it is, the fire will test our work. It's going to test it. And so I think we should evaluate each of us. We should evaluate and ask the question, what kind of fruit? What kind of fruit? Uh, What I want to do this morning, because we can't uh, get through all of this, I want to, I want to kind of talk about the kinds of fruitfulness that are in the scriptures and, uh, and then we'll, we'll pick up here, uh, and kind of get to that down the road. Because the thing of it is, uh, when you evaluate fruit, you, you got to kind of ask, you know, what, what, how does the Bible define fruit? What kind of fruit necessarily was Jesus talking about? And, and obviously, man, we don't know for sure exactly Jesus' intent, but I think when we look in the scriptures, there are some, there are four or five types of fruitfulness, uh, that we can evaluate in our life and say, okay, is this present in our life? Let me give those to you real quickly. First of all would be the fruit of sacrificial praise. Um, Hebrews 13, 15 says, through Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. And what that means is that part of one of the spiritual fruits that you can have in your life is the fruit of, of truly worshiping and praising and honoring the Lord Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And when the scripture talks about the, this sacrificial praise, let us continually offer sacrifices of praise. I, I don't think, in fact, I'm confident it's not just that we sing. Because some of us can't. And I appreciate David and Carolyn's song. But y'all, if, if my spiritual fruit is singing, I'm in deep, deep trouble. I'm going to be empty-handed when I stand before God. But sacrificial praise is an attitude of the heart like they sing about. And so is there, is there the fruit of praise and worship in your life? 
Second type of spiritual fruit, um, we would call it, let, let's just go talk about the fruit of the Spirit. You know in Galatians 5.21 it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, uh, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. I probably got them in the wrong order. But interestingly enough, you know, a lot of times we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, but in the original language, those nine, they're one fruit. That is the fruit. So our life should be characterized by all nine of those. If you look in the original language, the, the, the word fruit is actually singular. So collectively, one of the fruits in our life should be this fruit of the Spirit. I, I remember reading a couple years ago, or it's been several years ago, a lady wrote into one of the Christian reader magazines, and she says, you know, my, my, my son comes in, and he says, Mom, I have the fruit of the Spirit. Mom, I have the fruit of the Spirit. She says, what do you mean? He says, she, he says well, Mom, when I got up this morning, I put on my fruit of the loom underwear, so I've got the fruit of the Spirit. Now, fellas, I'll just tell you, just because you wear the fruit of the looms doesn't mean you have the fruit of the Spirit. But if we'll remain in Christ, if we remain in Christ, we can have the fruit of the Spirit. And so that's one of the spiritual fruits that should be present in the life of the believer, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of sacrificial praise. Uh, then third, we'll call it the fruit of, um, of sanctification. Uh, the Bible says in, uh, in Philippians 1.11, it says... The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, y'all, it's not talking about this holy, this holier than thou. You know, you, you've been around, have you been around people that they're, you know, they're these, they think they're spiritual, you know, and, and they're just, well, it just kind of oozes out of them. It's this, it's this holier than thou that I've got it all together and, and this one, you know, that's really not what the scripture's talking about. There is a fruit of righteousness that comes. When Christ comes into our heart, he makes us righteous. But, when there, but there's a, the fruit of righteousness is when you and I begin to live out a faith that is real. And God begins to, to show up in our life. And there's something about us that's different. People can look at our life and they see practical righteousness. And then uh, number four, there would be the, fu- the, fruit of, uh, the fruit of sharing or giving. Uh, real quickly, let's look at uh, the interesting passage over in, uh, in Romans. And, and the reason I, th- I think it's kind of interesting, you guys know these are tough times economically. I mean, we're, I mean, this is, it's just, it's just tough times. But, but listen to Paul, uh, Romans 15, let's pick up about verse 26. Uh, he says, for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessing. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they receive this fruit, I'll go to Spain and visit you on the way. And what Paul was saying is that one of the fruits that can be evident in our life is the fruit of sharing and giving generously for the kingdom of God. By the way, the church at Macedonia, and many of you know this, uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that they gave out of their poverty what they could afford and even more. And so their fruit was to give above and beyond what anyone can imagine. And so one of the fruits is the fruit of sharing generously 
for the work of God. There's the fruit of this sacrificial praise. There's this fruit of being sanctified. And, and then there's the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And then lastly, and I believe really, you know, most importantly, we'll call it the fruit of souls. Now, if you look this verse up in, in the NIV, it, it doesn't use the word fruit. It used the word converts. But in 1 Corinthians 6.15, it talks about the household of Stephanus. And Paul says, uh, the household of Stephanus, the first converts uh, in Asia. And by the way, but if you look at it in the New American Standard or the King James, it calls it the first fruit. So you were the first fruit of the gospel. Now, here's, here's, now this is my opinion. This is, we'll call it Philipsology. You can take it for what it's worth. Okay. I believe the greatest fruit, I believe the greatest fruit that you and I can bear when we stand before God. Is that is the fruit of souls? So I believe that the life we live, I believe that the money we give, should have as its purpose to influence others to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I believe it is my conviction that when you and I stand before God, the greatest thing that we can have in our hands, the greatest thing that we can present to our Savior and our King, are the people whose lives we have touched and who we have influenced to come to know Christ and to be in the kingdom of God. I believe that's the greatest fruit that you can produce or bear for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to do what I can as your pastor to equip you and to help you to live a life of fruitfulness. That's why we're teaching the Alongsider Clinic tonight. That's why we're going we're gonna, to, for the next 10 or 12 weeks, we're going to be investing in you, helping you learn some practical things, some practical ways that you can come alongside of someone else and begin to read the Word with them, begin to study the Word with them, and encourage them and help them in their spiritual journey. Because I want you, I want you to be able to stand in God's presence with people around you that are in heaven because of you. If that's going to happen, we got to make a decision. we got to decide. We're going to use our life for the glory of God. Fruitfulness. Y'all listen. Fruitfulness is a choice. If we make the investment, if we'll remain in Christ, we'll bear fruit. If we don't make the investment, if we're not willing to pay the price, it's not going to happen. And so my heart, my passion, my desire is for you and me to bear fruit. And so we're going to do what we can to equip you to do that. And, uh, but you've got to make the commitment. Let's pray together. Father, in, 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 in the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you that if we remain in Christ, we can bear much fruit. God, I, I don't know, I'm, I, I kind of know where I'm at. I kind of know there, there's a little bit of fruit in my life. There's a few people in my life that, uh, you know, that are going to heaven because of you. And, and I'm excited about that. But God, I, just, I want more. Lord, I want to invest in people who will invest in people who will invest in people so that heaven will be more populated because of us. And God, this morning, I pray that you stir the hearts of this body that our longing and our desire would be to see people come to know Christ 
and to grow in him. And so, God, as we come to this time of commitment, I ask you to have your will and your way in every person's heart, in every person's life. And when you do, we'll give you the glory and the honor. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Just quickly, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do an old-fashioned invitation, altar call. And here's my invitation. If you've never given your life to Christ, we'd love to take God's word and show you how to be saved. But if you're already a believer, my prayer and my hope is that you'll commit to be, be a fruitful disciple. And if you don't know how to do that, we want to begin to mentor you and teach you beginning tonight at 6 o'clock. We want you to come and meet with us right in here uh, to be a part of that. If you're, if you're not yet a part of our church and maybe you're a guest, maybe you've been visiting a while, and if you want to be a part of a church where the passion and the focus is going to be on reaching people and equipping them to live for Jesus, then I want to invite you to come and be a part of our church because that's where we're going. We're going to equip ourselves. Uh, to reach people for Christ. Y'all, I, I want one day, I want this, I want Wimberley to be a hard place to go to hell from because we're serious about people. So what does God want you to do this morning? What does God want you to decide today? Let's stand together. David's going to lead us as we sing. If you need to make a public decision for Christ, I invite you to come.